0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, December the 29th, 2022. It is currently 6.44 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, if something needed a reset, if there was ever a situation where something needed a reset, we currently, desperately, are in need of a reset for our Bible study exercise on the subject of fear. If there was ever a situation where something needed to be reset, it is our study on the subject of fear because we, I, not we, I lost the plot, lost the narrative. I don't even know what, I don't even know what illustrations to use. Well, what uh, allegories do I use? What illustrations do I use? The the train left the tracks, the car left the road, the boat sank. I, I don't, whatever d- description you want to give, everything went so horribly wrong in our study of fear. It was such a good study. Things were going so well. And then I came up with a crazy idea. I mean, I really thought it was a good idea. Looking back now, it was a horrible idea. I'm like, you know what? Preachers handle Matthew 14 in a very specific way. I'm troubled by the way most pastors handle it. So let me just choose a random sermon on Matthew 14 because that will demonstrate what I'm talking about. And then we'll review that. And then we'll, then we'll, when the review is over, I'll be like, see, I told you, I told you how people handle Matthew 14. See? Well, I chose a random sermon that clearly stated that uh, underneath it, uh, all the information about the sermon, stated that it was about Matthew 14, and then we reviewed multiple hours of sermon review, and they never mentioned Matthew chapter 14. They didn't mark, they never mentioned Mark chapter six, which is another text they were supposed to have mentioned. In fact, they, any script, they, all the scriptures they mentioned, none of them had anything to do with Mark four, uh, Mark six or Matthew 14. And it was just, but not only that would have been irritating enough, right? If it had been like, oh, wait, what is this sermon? But what made it even worse is the sermon wasn't about Matthew 14, but it was the most bizarre, twisted, Christian double speak, bait-and-switch craziness uh, about sin and, and just sanctification. I, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It was bad. So we need a reset. We need a reset. So uh, we have to pretend right now that we have a big reset button, and I'm going to press the reset button right... Okay, we just forgot all of that that happened. It's gone. Okay, we did not do that sermon review. Well... I want you to remember some of the positives from the sermon review because I think we learned a lot. But as far as it dealing with this, our study on fear, just forget it. It's over. It's gone. And it's Thursday. So before we know it, this week of study is going to be over. So we're running out of time to to, to do something in this week that that really relates to the topic at hand. Now, I've already given you some assignments to work on. All right, so you've had those. So I didn't, I haven't wasted your entire week. I've given you assignments. So hopefully you've worked on those assignments. But let's go to Ma- uh, Matthew chapter fourteen. Again, I don't know. I, I keep wanting to say Mark, or I want to say Matthew. When I want to say Matthew, I want to say Mark. When I want to say Mark, and I don't know why I want to say Mark other than the cross reference. But we're not really dealing with the cross reference. Matthew chapter fourteen. All right, so we're going to do a little bit of work tonight. But here is what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Our focus is to look at Matthew 14. And I know there's hermeneutical issues of how all pastors turn this into basically some kind of allegory. And I know there's issues there. But at least for tonight, what I want to do is look at Matthew 14 and just see if we can learn anything in regards to fear from it. What, what, is there any, is there anything we can gain on the subject of fear Matthew 14. So are you ready? Here we go. Matthew chapter 14. Let's start in verse 22. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Let's work through this. I hope you're ready. I hope you have your Bible open, a pencil, and uh, let's see what we can do this evening. I don't know how successful we will be, but I know at least we need to get our minds back into Matthew chapter 14 after everything that has occurred over the last few days. So are you ready? Here we go. Matthew chapter 14, let's start in verse 22. And straightway, well, no, okay, well, okay, yeah, we're going to, I almost wanted to start teaching, but let's do this. So uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while, while he sent the multitudes away. So they are scared. There's fear. There's the first mention of fear, right? They are afraid. There's the first mention of fear, all right? Next, verse 27, but straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now it doesn't use the word fear, but now Jesus is trying to provide some comfort for their fear. Verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, uh, uh, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Okay, there is more fear, right? Afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him and said uh, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now, I'm tempted. I am tempted to say, okay, there is fear that occurs in this chapter. There's fear of the disciples, and there's specifically fear in Peter. And Jesus offers one specific word dealing with the fear and then you could say there's another word he he says about fear as well. But so so we have that fear so what I'm tempted to say is fear is cl- clearly in this chapter. Now let's go back to verse 22 and say okay what could we learn here about fear. But I I'm not, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that right now. I want us to just focus in specifically on the passages where fear is demonstrated and then try to determine why they are afraid and what the solution would be to that fear. So we're going to look in Matthew 14, 22 to 33, and this is all we're going to try to accomplish tonight. We we identified the passage where fear clearly is identified, where where fear is clearly identified. We're going to focus in on those verses where fear is clearly identified. We're going to determine why they're afraid, and then does the text offer a specific solution to their fear? So here we go. The first one, Jesus is walking on the water, right? Verse 25, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Now, the the clear stated reason for this fear, this is the first passage where fear is mentioned, right, in this section. And clearly, the reason for their fear is identified because they think it's a spirit. They see Jesus, they don't see, but they don't see Jesus. They see Jesus and they think it's a spirit, and then they are filled with fear. They They cry out in fear. I mean, this is like, this is external clearly seen this is not just some internal feeling this is external reaction they cry out in fear all right now we have to try to identify we have to try to figure out why are they so afraid here like why now we we could we could really spiritualize this right but I but I'm trying to be as just as close to the actual words of the text. I'm trying to let the historical narrative give us some clue. And it doesn't say really what, what's in the minds of the disciples that they're they, they're in the middle of a storm. They look out and they're like, wait, 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 wait. There's a spirit. There's a ghost. There's like to say that it's a spirit. This would have to mean that they think it's some kind of ghost, right? Let, let's look up and see how commentaries hander, handle them thinking it's a spirit. Or we'll, First, we'll look at all the English translations and see how all of them translate it, all right? So this is Matthew 14. I'm going to type in Matthew 14 in Google. It is verse, where do they cry out? Verse 26, Matthew 14, verse 26. We're going to go to biblehub.com. We're just going to see how all the translations handle this. All right, look at the New International Version. This may give us a really good idea. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost! There you go, it's a ghost. Um, The New Living Translation. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in fear and they cried out, It's a ghost! esv but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were terrified and said it's a ghost berean study bible when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were terrified it's a ghost berean literal um and the disciples seeing him walking on the sea were troubled saying it's a ghost so all the translations clearly identify here what in the world is going on the disciples literally think it's a ghost it's the spirit of someone who has died, but the spirit is wandering around on the sea. Or maybe they think, you know, um, someone who had died in a shipwreck, someone who had died somehow at sea was haunting the sea. Clearly, this is fear. Now, and I think this is fair. I don't think this is stretching it. I think this is staying very consistent with the text. This is fear caused by superstition. This is fear as the result of superstition. They are superstitious. They think there's ghosts. They perceive that there are, there are ghosts. Now, you know, from a biblical standpoint, when someone dies, they, they either go to heaven or to hell, they're not wandering around. They're not. They're not haunting the hospital you work in. They're not haunting your house. They're not. They're all the. I know people constantly say that. Look, I've worked in multiple hospitals in my all the years I worked in the medical world, and every hospital had the stories of someone died there and it's haunted and everyone has their stories. And usually it's when you're working the night shift at a hospital where someone starts bringing up the stories of some creepy thing that happened and it's haunted. And some people are absolutely convinced of it. Theologically, when a person dies, heaven, hell, not, oh, you get to roam around for the next 100 years. So this is a superstition. Now we did look into it, one of the emailers, or I should say one of the students, emailed me and gave me an article that kind of identified the fourth watch, at least in the minds of some people, being a time when spirits are very active. Other articles said, no, it's not the fourth watch, it's midnight. Uh, Some say, there's all kinds of speculation. But the point is that clearly at this time in the minds of many Jews, there was this kind of superstitious thought thinking that maybe somewhere between midnight and And the fourth watch, right, between the third and fourth watch, that spirits were active. That there was things going bump in the night. And that superstition led to outright fear. Complete fear. So I think as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, what wrong ways of thinking, what wrong ways of of feeling, What, what wrong ways of perceiving things leads to us having some kind of fear and some kind of worry and some kind of anxiety. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm bringing in a couple of emotions there, fear, worry, and anxiety. I'm not saying that they're all perfectly linked together, but I think there's some similarities and the feelings you have, right? Worry and anxiety typically is some type of fear about the future or about a current circumstance. So if you could, if you were to look at your life, in what areas do you think that there is fear, worry, and anxiety as a result of just bad thinking? wrong superstition of some kind. And and when I say superstition, I want to broaden it to to be not more just like, oh, you know, uh, oh, it's Friday the 13th. Bad things are going to happen. I'm not just saying some kind of like little superstition like that. I'll try to broaden it. Just a wrong way of thinking. Your thinking is so Contrary to the Bible, it's so contrary to theology that it creates this fear, worry, and anxiety, which then results in possibly spiritually being harmful to your life. Now, I'm trying to think. Now, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to be very fair here. I'm trying to be very fair here with myself because I don't. I don't want to try to apply it to other people. I'm trying to look at my own life, like where I had like some kind of wrong thinking that led to fear. And I'm not, I don't know if I have a specific example. I don't know if I have a specific example. But we have to, we do have to identify where our thinking is wrong. Their thinking here is messed up. I mean, there's just no way to get around it. I mean, they're like, it's a, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. What are we going to do? We're going to die. The ghost is coming for us, right? I mean, clearly, their thinking is all messed up here. I, I don't know if I've ever had a, I don't think I've ever had a superstition. But I, I I definitely know that my thinking has been wrong in my Christian life, which has led to probably, wrong ways of feeling that were detrimental to my spiritual life. I I guess I don't want to get too specific because if I get too specific, Then you'll be, you won't take the time to look into your life. You'll just be like, well, I've never had that problem. I really want you to do your, I would love to get your thoughts. How, how does this apply to your Christian life where you're, you found yourself in a situation and your thinking was so wrong that it led to fear, worry, and anxiety and a correct way. If you would have been thinking more biblically, it would not have occurred. But they are afraid. Now, some could argue we get afraid whenever we don't recognize. Now, we could do this. I don't know if now you could tell me if you think this is reaching. Clearly, Jesus is present, but they don't see Jesus. They don't recognize Jesus. They they instead of seeing Jesus, they see circumstances. In fact, they see something that's imaginary. Now, this I could maybe if I state it this way, it works a little bit better because I, I, I don't. I I've never been one who's who's superstitious, right? I've never been one for that. Um just superstitions. I just I've always thought they were foolish and typically mock them and not I know. So I maybe I can't relate to that one. But I can relate to this. Now stay with me. I don't think this is a stretch. If you feel that I'm not being fair with the text, please let me know. But if I if I view it from this perspective, the disciples. Look out. They clearly see the storm. They clearly see whatever they're facing there. They see that. They're experiencing that. So that's a feeling. It's real. But they do not recognize. They do not see in any way. They do not perceive in any way, shape, or form the presence of Jesus in it. They perceive perceive the reality that's in front of them, and then they perceive that which is not there. I'll give you an example. All right. I use this on Christmas night. My my mother passed away when I was a teenager. She died in October. In late November, or getting close to late November, I um, I mean, I, I didn't understand. I was confused, and and I, I saw the situation. My mother was dead. There was going to be no reconciliation. We were never going to make things right. It was over. It was horrible. I, I and so all I could see is the situation, right? I obviously couldn't perceive God in it in any way, shape, or form. I, all I could see is the reality of the situation, and what I perceived at that moment was life is horrible. God disappointed me. God didn't do what I thought he would do. I'm sick of everything. I don't want to live another day. I, I was just over. I just came with this great, I had this feeling of I just want it to end. And so I tried to kill myself. I ended up in a psychiatric hospital for a long time, right? And when I was in that psychiatric hospital, once again, I did not perceive God being in it. I didn't perceive God's presence. I perceived the reality of the situation that here I am. I'm a teenager. I'm supposed to be in high school. I just tried to kill myself. I'm in a psychiatric hospital. Am I ever going to graduate from, from high school? Who knows? What's, what's my future going to look like? And then the only person who shows up to visit me family-wise is my mother's sister's daughter who shows up with a bag of pills saying, your dad killed your mom. Your dad killed your mom. Your dad, look at this. He poisoned your mom. He killed your mom. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? You talk about just, I, I didn't perceive God in any of this. I saw the reality and I felt confused. I felt, I felt full of fear. I, I did not know what was going on. I did not know what was going on. And so I went through all of that. And then I i, I think that, you know, there's a I turn a corner. I think I'm look I'm thinking things are looking up. Okay. Uh, they seem to be giving me some hope that I'm going to be able to graduate from high school. You know, I, they don't bring me any work, but they did send, I think, I think I can't remember a teacher or someone came to tell me, hey, don't worry about it. And so I I was like, okay, I think there's hope. I think there's hope here. I think there's hope. I started trying to put my attention back on on God and, and the scriptures. Try I didn't really still perceive God's presence, but I I guess at this point I still didn't perceive God's presence, but my I, I started trying to have a better view of my situation. And then that night, it, it may have been Christmas night or it was really close to Christmas night. Uh, and it's, it, was, it was a cold, snowy night in West Texas. It was an odd one. And my counselor came up to the play. And typically at night, you know, you're playing games or watching movies in the day room, whatever. And that my counselor, the main counselor came up there and asked me to come outside. And there we were walking around the psychiatric hospital. Just him and I. And he tells me some story about a polar bear. I don't remember the story. And then he hits me with it. You're not leaving. Because I was supposed to leave like in a couple of days. You're not leaving. We're going to keep you for an extended period of time. And at that moment, all I could see was the end of my life. Like, like all I could, I, you don't even know what I felt at that moment. I felt like it's over. I'm never going to graduate from high school. And then not, so I not only worried about that, and then all of a sudden it hit me. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. This can't be happening. This can't be happening. My girlfriend, she wants to go to this big Christmas party thing that all the teenagers are throwing at someone's house. There's going to be all these guys there. Now, they're going to be all these guys who, you know, strong, their life is going well. And her boyfriend tried to kill himself and he's in a psychiatric hospital and i'm like this can't be happening uh, i'm not going to graduate from i've lost my mom i'm not going to graduate from high school and i'm about to lose my girlfriend to some other guy there's no way she's going to come out of that party and, st- I, and and so i remember calling i i i but i i knew that i couldn't tell her not to go because it, like what am i supposed to do oh man it was it was like the end of the world i'll never forget how utterly devastated I was. And at that moment, you know what? I could not, I I, I perceived God had so far abandoned me that God didn't even exist. I probably felt at that moment like there was no God. I felt that there was no hope, there was no future, and that I was going to literally walk out of there with nothing. I was gonna walk out of that psychiatric hospital with no girlfriend, not being able to graduate from high school, and no mom. And it did not bring any reconciliation with the rest of my family. So I was like this is this is the worst thing to, at that moment I did not see anything I just saw the circumstances I didn't see anything else Now I'm not saying this works perfect with this but just try to stay with me Here are the disciples they're on the uh, on the ship they're in the boat All they see is their circumstances and then they see something out there and they don't see Jesus, they don't see God, they see a ghost. Their perception of the situation is utterly 100% false, and that that, that they're very aware of the reality, so they see reality, and their perception is they see what is not even there, but in a negative way, and they scream out, it's a ghost. I think in a different way in your life and my life, I can't speak for you, but for me, there are those times in our lives where we we see the reality we we are so impacted by the reality of the situation we can't get away from it we feel it we see it every single day that's the reality that's the reality that and we there's nothing we can do we can't run from the reality we can't deny the reality because it's like the reality is sitting there doing this, slapping you, slapping you so you know the reality is there you feel it that's already getting you a little bit worried and then you start seeing. And you start perceiving that which is not accurate. You're like, oh, oh, I know what's going to happen. I I know what's going to happen. They're going to die. Or this is, and you just start, now you start reacting to that which is not even real. You don't say it's a ghost, but you're perceiving something that's not there. You're just like the disciples. You don't scream out that it's a ghost, but you scream out, this is, I know this is going to happen. And you start thinking the worst that you can about the situation. And then, because you're, you, you, listen, you see the reality, you begin to perceive that which is not accurate to your situation and then you are completely, don't even see God. You don't see God anywhere in it. You've, you have forgotten that God even exists really. At that moment, you basically become a practical atheist, not a full blown theoretical atheist, but in your heart, in a sense, you're saying there is no God. In your heart, not, a, you feel like there's no God. You don't see God. And when you, when you are, focused on the reality of your negative situation, you begin to perceive which is not even real in your situation, and you forget God, you will experience fear. Not only will you experience fear, your entire perception of reality is now... I mean, they're screaming out, there's a ghost out there. Hey, there's a ghost out there, everyone. Now, if you look at the text... First, Jesus is the one who sends them in, into the water, right? He sends them across the water. He puts the he tells them to get into a ship. He constrained them, right? And then number two, Jesus is praying. Now, we don't know specifically if he's praying for them. I, I know that's how we always preach it. So I cannot say in any way, shape, or form that he was praying for them. But I do know this. Here's what I do know. And this is accurate, and I don't think this is doing damage to the text. I do know this, that God is sovereign and he works all things according to his good pleasure and will. And so in no matter what situation I find myself, now look, this is not psychologically satisfying. Let me just say this right now. This is psychologically scarring and philosophically unsatisfying. But here seems, if we're going to believe in God, if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to believe in, a, in, in the God, the true God, then here's the reality we have to deal with. Wherever we find ourselves in some way, shape, or form, God has, in a sense, constrained us and put us in that boat and put it there. Now, I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to make this text about us. I'm trying to look at the situation. They are in the boat, they, they don't go, Hey, hey guys, calm down. Jesus sent us here. He, we, he, he has to, he's going to, he, everything's going to be okay. No, no, no. Of course, in their minds, they don't quite maybe even understand everything about Jesus. But I'm saying for us in our lives, we, wherever we find ourselves, God somehow put us there. He, he, he put us there. Now, I know that's not helpful. And when I say that it's not helpful, when I was young, Going through the horrifying, horrific things that I encountered, and I won't go into those. Do I say God put me there? I, I, I mean, is the one thing I do I love about the Book of Job is Job seems to understand that hey, if I take that that his situation, God is in charge of the situation. He sees that what he's experiencing comes from God. So. It's hard, I don't, that, that doesn't always make me feel good. And I'm not saying when someone's in a horrible situation, you come up to them and say, hey, hey, God put you here. I'm not seeing you do that. But I'm seeing for our theology, we have to understand God somehow is sovereign and put us in the situation. Jesus put them in the situation. And Jesus is praying. I don't know if he's praying for them. I know that makes a good sermon. But I do know this. Jesus is, make, is interceding on my behalf. He does live to make intercession. So I know he is praying for me. So I guess what I want you to see is that when we're in this horrible situation, we see reality, right? And we sometimes see which is not there, right? We start imagining things and we forget God. So if we're going to fix this, we have to start with seeing God in the situation. So the wrong kind of fear emerges when all we can see is reality right? We don't see God. We begin to imagine that which isn't there, right? We completely, we, 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 don't, we don't perceive that in any way, shape, form, and we don't see God in it. That is the recipe for being overcome with the wrong kind of fear. We, we, all we can see is reality. We don't see God. All we we begin to see, which is not even really there, it's just imaginary, we're making it up, and then we completely forget God. The the only step back to try to back this up or fix it is I have to now perceive God as the ultimate reality. Not my circumstance, but God is the ultimate reality. They completely miss God in it. They, They miss, now please note what happens Look! Look what happens. Verse twenty-seven. But straightway, this is this is Jesus' response to their fear. Hey, be of good cheer. It is I. Jesus' solution to the, their fear is, guys, 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 guys. Don't look to the to the reality. Don't look to the storm. Don't stop with your makeup, made made believe. Make you're making it up. Your make make believe ghost. Your 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 wrong perception. I am here. It is I. I love that, that phrase. It is I. It is I. We will always have the wrong kind of fear when we when we don't see the ultimate reality. It is the ultimate reality of God that changes our perception. First, it, it should keep us from imagining things and perceiving the wrong things that don't even exist. And it should help us see reality in a different way. Now, it's not always simple. It's not always easy. Again, going back to my life, if I could have just like, okay, look, 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 I don't know why my life, I was putting these horrible situations with abuse and all the horrible things that happened to me i don't know, but God somehow is in it. i don't know why my mom died, and God did if, but God somehow is in it and if I could have just looked to God but at, at that point i i God didn't exist to me in fact, I felt God had abandoned me, and that well there was there and I begin to imagine all kinds of things, imagining my girlfriend was just going to walk out on me because because of everything. I begin to imagine every wrong kind of thing that you could think of. I think, I think there's something to this. I, I really, really do. I, I really think there's something here that we have to, we need to flesh it out. Remember, I do the Bible study exercises specifically this way. I throw out these ideas, right? And, and sometimes I start fleshing them out and then I maybe try to change, because I'm wanting you to work with me to really think this through. All right, so let's go through this again. Why are the disciples afraid? Well, or what? What leads to? And clear, it's a wrong kind of fear. They're they're scared of a ghost, right? Okay, so let's go through this. First, they see the reality. They know there's a storm, right? They're, they're, they know there's a storm. I think the text makes it it makes it clear. All right, and in the fourth, I see, and uh, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea. Tossed with waves for the wind was contrary. Clearly they see that. Clearly they're experiencing that. So they know that reality. So they see reality. Then in their minds, they begin to imagine something that's not there. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. And clearly they don't perceive Jesus. And Jesus is right there and they don't even see that it's him. They think it's a ghost. So they, they, they see reality. You could say they are overcome by reality, they begin to imagine that which isn't there and they don't see God in the situation. But if you look at the text, God was involved in the situation. Jesus is the one who put them there. Jesus was praying. I don't know if he was praying for them or not, but I know he loves to make intercession. So at least in my life, I know he's the one who puts me there, but I know he's praying for me. All right. So I know that. And of course, all things work together uh, for God's uh, according to God's will and God, God's good pleasure. And we, there's a lot of theological issues here. But we have to begin to see that God is the ultimate reality. And when we see God is the ultimate reality, we view th- think of it this way. If all you see is the re- reality in front of you, if all you see is the reality in front of you, when that reality becomes horrible horrific, scary, dangerous, typically you will start then imagining what is not even there because all you're seeing is a material reality, right? It requires seeing reality, the material reality, through the understanding of the... You have to learn to perceive the material reality and light of the ultimate reality that transcends everything which is God. See, if I don't... If I don't see God and all I see is, I'll use the words from Ecclesiastes, that which is under the sun, oh man, I'm left with no meaning, no purpose, no morality. I'm left confused. And and, and what tends to happen is when that reality gets ugly, then we, we start filling in, we start imagining that which isn't there because we're no longer grounded to the ultimate. The ultimate reality is God. Once, in a sense, we unchain ourselves, we're no longer anchored to that ultimate reality, then our minds start making up our own reality. And typically, when we're filled with fear or anxiety because of our, of our situation, we start making it up and we make it worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until we work ourselves into a, a pit of despair and discouragement and depression because we no longer see God because we now are creating this made-up reality. So, the steps to the wrong kind of fear, I think Matthew 14 lays out, is being overwhelmed by your reality, begin to now make up and see that which isn't there, and forget God. You don't see God in it. And the only way back from it is for you to hear Matthew 14, it is I, it is I, and once you come face-to-face with that reality, once you come face-to-face with that reality and you see it, that changes everything. That cha- Now you see God in the situation. Now that should overcome your wrong perception. And now you see reality, material reality in light of the spiritual reality. Now, let's read it all together. Matthew 14, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "It is a ghost." It is a spirit, according to King James. They cried out for fear. But Jesus straightway, uh, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, "Be of good cheer; it is I. Be not." Now, I was going to move on to the next situation where Peter gets involved and fear shows up again. But I want to just, I don't want to do that because I want to leave it with, this is one of those situations where less is more. This, I, I think I'm being fair to the text because I think I can, I think the historical narrative would support what I'm about to say. The disciples were scared out of their minds because they thought they saw a ghost. How did this occur? They were, in a sense, overwhelmed by their reality. Hey, what's going on here? These winds, the waves, we can't, we, we, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then all of a sudden they look out, then they perceive something which is not even there based off superstition, whatever. They They see something that's not there. And clearly nobody mentions God or Jesus or anything in it. And Jesus' solution to their fear, it is, I, be not afraid. There is more going on beyond what you can see. What you can see is not the beginning and the end of anything. What we can see and touch, the material, it's not, that's not all there is. There is so much more than the material. There's so much more than this, than what we can tell. It's beyond that. And clearly, I think the text would be prove me right. Jesus sent them there. This shows the sovereignty of God. We've got to see God's sovereignty in everything. I know it's not always psychologically comforting. I don't like to believe that, you know, I, but but well, look. Put it this way: either God was powerless and couldn't stop what was happening to me, or God somehow sovereignly was involved in it. And I that, I don't know which I don't know how you handle that. But and then I I mean Jesus is praying, and I I can't speak for this situation, and I'm not saying it's a picture of it, but I know Jesus prays for me. But the most important thing is, I've got to see reality, and I've got to keep myself. From seeing that which isn't real, I start making it up. I start, I start making up things. Right? I just, I'm just I'm making it up as I go along. I made up trouble, made up difficulty. I've got, to, I've got to see all of those possible issues that I may encounter through the through the understanding of God's existence that God is there, and the ultimate reality should stop my false reality, and the ultimate reality should change. My material reality so that I perceive it differently. There's our reset on our study of fear. What do you think? What do you think? Agree, disagree, thoughts? Could we flesh it out a little bit better? Do do you do you think we could flesh it out a little bit? I think we could flesh it out a little bit better. I think we could. So I'm gonna, but I'm gonna let you flesh it out a little bit better, right? I want you to work on this. I want you to think this through. I want your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com, news at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, and of course in the Discord channel. I, I'd love to get your you may agree, you may disagree, you may think I wasn't fair with with the text. I think I think everything I derived there. Came from the text directly. At least I think it did. I think it did. You you can tell me what you think. You can tell me what you think. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I know I want to get to the next part too. Some of you are like, well, you should keep going. No, 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 no. Le- sometimes less is more. All right. In this case, less is more. Let's stop right there. Let's meditate. Let's contemplate. Let's discuss and let's see if we can learn some valuable lessons about fear from Matthew chapter 14. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a wonderful night. God bless.